Hello everyone and welcome to Coaches on the Couch. I'm Louise. And I'm Rachel. And today we're welcoming the two co-founding partners behind Studio Egre West, Christoph Egre and David West. Hello and nice to see both of you sitting on your couches in fact. We took um, your brief literally Louise, we are sitting on couches right now. <laughs> I always like it when my brief is taken literally, so I'm very happy to see you on your couches. And before we get into anything else, we ought to have a quick chat about them. So please tell us something interesting about your couch and maybe, David, you could kick off. Uh, it's quite small. It's in my, uh, it's, it's made of leather. It's a mid-century modern piece. I think it was worth quite a lot of money before I uh, spilt a bottle of beer on it one night and left it uh, for 24 mm. hours. So it has this kind of really disgusting stain which I've kind of hidden now. Um, but it's at the bottom of the garden with me, uh, where I've spent quite a lot of the last 18 months um, uh, in between visits to the studio. Thank you. And uh, throws are very useful for covering up. <laughs> I'm sitting on a yeah, throw. <laughs> okay. Uh, Christoph, how about you? I'm not a really I'm not really a couch person, and, and I, I I've kind of tended to prefer armchairs the thing is about couches is that they they make you too comfortable like i i already i'm sitting on the edge of it at the moment to be able to focus the the couch makes you kind of mm. a bit sloppy i find and yeah maybe it's good when you're a bit drunk i think that's maybe. the right spirit christoph that's what we want to talk about not getting yeah. too comfortable yeah. <laughs> there it is it's a good business plan never get too comfortable, <laughs> get too comfortable. but anybody who hasn't come across studio agro west the Pretz has been around since 2004, based in London, covers urban and landscape design as well as architecture. And your 60 strong team unusually includes an operations and showroom manager to curate a rolling programme of events and exhibitions in your Clarkenwell studio. And in 2019, Pretz made its debut in the AJ100 list. And in your words, David, came of age, perhaps because then you began to secure larger commissions including two high-profile appointments in Manchester, a hybrid regeneration scheme at Salford Keys, and the comprehensive overhaul of the 24-acre Manchester Mayfield station site for developer UNI. And more recently, you and long-term collaborators Hawkins Brown have been confirmed as the Earls Court Master Planners. And, and congratulations on that. So the main reason we've invited you onto the virtual couch today was to discuss how you two have navigated such a long and successful relationship, uh, which has already lasted longer than many marriages. Um, <laughs> and you first met when you were both working with the late, great Will Allsop and Christoph. You are French and had already been an architect with several UK-based large practices, including Norman Foster and Ian Ritchie, before you joined Allsop, where you were a director for 10 years. David, on the other hand, I believe that you were a fresh-faced 25 year old when you joined Allsop. So our first question is actually going to be for Christoph and it's going to be uh, what was it about the young David West that convinced you that he was the right person for you to make the leap with into founding your own practice? Good question. I I guess I mean I, I on, on, the, on the first day that he arrived uh, I thought he was full of energy, authentic, exciting uh, and uh, I just, I, I just thought he was great company. Uh, I mean, I, I think somebody called him the, the yellow, yellow jersey of, of urban design. And um, uh, I, I guess that was quite true. He, he, he liked to talk. He, he used to talk 
took out uh, Will also, which would upset Will occasionally. But there was this, this kind of enthusiasm for projects and some we would win and some we would not win. But they, the enthusiasm, the engine of enthusiasm was always there. And we worked on a number of competitions, uh, the, namely the, the Fourth Grace, the Millennium Village and, and a few others. And it was exciting. I guess there was a, a time when, uh, I mean, I, I have to say my 10 years with Will Allsop were really a lot of fun. And, I, and I, I, still, I still miss him a lot. There was a point when you could see that it was time. I had been there for 10 years and it was time to, to make a, a, take a different course. I was about 45 five or 43 I can't remember exactly and if, if if I didn't start my own practice that would have been maybe too late I think I, I invited you David to join to join uh, yeah a studio together and how yeah. did that go down David what was your response to that well it was um it was um, pretty smooth as ever with uh with Monsieur Gray uh, I mean this is a very beautiful man and uh, incredibly hard to resist because he's just deep, 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 deep charm because he's kind of probably the most Zen person I've ever <laughs> come across <laughs> and, and almost floats. And uh, yeah, we, he just one night said to me, do you want to go for a drink at the Bluebird? And, uh, and, and half, half, halfway through, through uh, a, a, pint, a, pint of, um, a pint of pale ale, um, he said, how about you become my partner 50-50? <laughs> and it was a pretty short, sharp, and by the end of uh, by the end of the pint, I'd said yes, <laughs> and, and uh, we pretty much decided that evening. And um, I think Christoph and I both handed in our notice to Will the very next day. So it wasn't a premeditated, um, super organised, super business planned affair. It was just a straightforward. Yeah, maybe we should try something new. Let's do it together. But maybe maybe to it's it's helpful to clarify that. Um, Will had this idea of bringing urban design and architecture together. And, and that's why David was invited to the studio mm. to become a director. But it was still architecture first and urban design as a kind of add-on. And we were looking around and we were looking for, is there any practices where the balance of urban design and architecture is really 50-50? And we couldn't find any. And we thought, that's really where architect, where the, the built environment profession should be going towards. And um, yeah, Will, Will, was ad, Will was adamant, and rest in peace, Will. Again, an incredible, incredible mentor, an incredible human being. Uh, loved him dearly, and still do. He um, he was adamant that urban design and architecture as the blend would create big architecture. Indeed, we actually. I had a business card, bright pink and black business card that said big well Bjark Ingold was still actually as at plot <laughs> which is quite a funny uh, funny thing I'm not making any kind of um, a statement <laughs> no no aspersions there but we were we were we, we, we were called we were called big <laughs> and uh, and I had this amazing business card to throw out as a kind of a 20 28 year old at, at, at a party bright pink thing that said big on it and uh, it, it wound up a lot of people actually uh, it was really interesting that the concept of big architecture upset a lot of the urban design fraternity. And I must admit, I really rather enjoyed that slightly upsetting uh, kind of juncture because it sort of got people to think and discuss and, and really consider the roles and relationships between architects and urbanism. 
And I remember having you know, pretty decent sort of conversations with people where we couldn't come to an agreement about it. And I think, I think as Crystal's saying, when we set up our practice, we were keen to really get the kind of the, the 50-50 balance of urbanism and architecture. It wasn't quite big architecture, um, but it was quite strategic um, and yet specific. And I think for the first seven years of our practice, we relentlessly said our mantra was strategy with specificity. And uh, neither of us could quite work out whether specificity was really a word, but it really <laughs> captured what we wanted to do. Strategy with specificity, place specific yet lateral thinking strategic strategies. Mm. We, we, we used to say also looking beyond the red line boundary. Yes. It was, it was so, so important that you know, so many architects, when they were given a site, would just focus on the site. But there was so much around it, the views, the, the connection, the people, the communities. Um, so all the time when we would visit a site, we would like <laughs> talk to people, we would walk around the site, we would get to know it really, really well. Um, to just find the roots, to find what we wanted to keep, what we wanted to change. And uh, that was at the center. And it was a, a, at the time, I remember, that was a really different approach to uh, yeah. the, object, the object architecture that was the mo mostly focused on at the time. Yeah. And yet there was something kind of, again, rooted back to Will's practice, which is that Will loved telling stories. Will would love to sit around with a glass of wine and, and obviously a cigarettes or two or five and 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 he would love to share stories and invite other people to share their stories and I think something that all three of us had very much in common was this joy and uh, ability to to tell stories to share stories and to build narratives I think often Will would sort of shape those stories into something that was potentially quite singular and, and we kind of ended up, and particularly now even more so, ended up sort of shaping multi-layered and multi-voiced stories, uh, which is definitely kind of the, 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 the design um, ethos of our time, co-authorship, collaboration, and multiple voices all being woven together. I remember Christoph and I enjoying the fact that Studio Egg Ray West also stood for SEW, also kind of created so. Uh, as in stitching, sewing, weaving, and um, pulling together multiple strands, in this case of narratives, of history, of legacy, of potential, and then retelling the story of a place's future, potential future, and allowing it to grow. Okay, if I can add on the, on the narrative issue is that if you tell a good story, if you, if you, if you shape what you're proposing in, an, in a good narrative, then people can take it with them. And without the jargon of architecture or urban design or the technicalities of it, um, it's, it, it, it allows others who are outside the profession to, um, to be part of the conversation. And, that's, uh, and also it adds a, a poetry that removes it from just the, the pragmatics of construction. So it's, it's narrative is a very important fluid to, to carry, to carry our, our messages. I'm interested in um, something that you said there, David, about multiple voices woven together. And I just wanted to use that to loop back to sort of where we started. We were talking about the differences between the two of you. I just wonder if you could say a little bit more about how you work together as a leadership duo. 
how you complement each other? We are quite different. I mean, our training and background specific to discipline was quite different. And our kind of our early years in terms of experience were quite different. And at the same time, I think we're very complementary. I have and still do tend to enjoy staying at the really, really big scale and the strategic scale. Um, and, you know, I'm an urbanist. Um, I think Christoph's always been interested in that, passionate about that, and yet cares a huge amount about the, the, the fabric of a place, the materiality of a place, the experience, the texture of a place, what it smells like, what it, what it, what it feels like, atmospheres. And in a way, that's very difficult to, to capture in a strategy, but it's something that Christoph always likes to sort of weave into sure. any, any placemaking approach. And so I think that from the outset meant we always zoomed in and zoomed out, thought big, thought small, which means we didn't ever have that moment of uh, designing um, an extension and then graduating from designing an extension to designing a loft, designing then a house, then designing a row of three houses and then designing a street or, a, or an apartment block, et cetera, et cetera, or maybe bidding for that first major cultural kind of um, uh, competition and, and, and hoping, crossing absolutely everything. We kind of jumped in slightly dangerously at both feet at a huge scale of, of thinking um, uh, from, from day one, even though we were a practice of two. Well, I've, I've had the privilege of, of working with both of you, with the common client, you and I. And I remember when I first met you and it was to talk about the old vinyl factory. So I saw that yes. sort of specificity, if I can even say it, and strategy in play. But it did make me wonder, you know, I saw David riffing off using all his energy and his vibrancy and his big picture talk and his enthusiasm and then Christoph being slightly more zen sketching quietly in the background and it made me think what happens if these guys disagree with each other if Christoph is sitting there thinking what is he on about or or David's thinking he's got the wrong end have you dealt how have you dealt with has there been conflict during the course of your partnership and how have you dealt with it I, I think I can say there has been very little conflict. And uh, maybe if we've had some disagreement, they've lasted five minutes. Maybe, maybe, maybe one, one or two have lasted a day or more. But on the whole, we, we started with a, a sort of um, a phrase, which is the best idea wins. And that was kind of really uh, the only way we could um, find a mechanism to decide whose idea should win or it's like everybody does know uh, which is the best idea even if it's not one's and uh, because we have a conversation we, we there's many ideas that are kind of shooting around the room and then there's a moment when ah that one is really good and that one we need to just allow to blossom and to to follow and of, often that's how that's how it works it's sort of you know, David knows that I prefer curved buildings to square buildings, but I also like square buildings. And, you know, I know that uh, sometimes David likes to put a narrative that uh, doesn't quite hold together at the beginning, but gets stronger and stronger as, as, we, as we develop this project. So we, we kind of know each other's um, uh, foibles or... Obsessions. Obsessions. <laughs> and, uh, and we kind of, we, we respect them and we play with them. And on the whole, I would say that it, it, it creates for a, a, 
bet a better for better solutions and a better way. Yeah, I think, I think the, um, the 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 best idea wins uh, a strap line, which which has been again another mantra for us. Um, to us, I think it just means that the the idea that you really, really, really believe in, that you really, really feel incredibly passionate about, and the idea that has a kind of a durability, uh, a resilience. And it just keeps coming back and sits saying, I'm a really good idea. I really am a really good idea. <laughs> the client's starting to believe in it. The local authority's starting to believe in it. The community's starting to, to buy in it. And it's, it's becoming the one that really has the most resonance. And sometimes it can be the one that just flew out within 10 minutes of visiting a site. And sometimes it's the one that keeps coming back as a recurring theme 10 weeks or indeed 10 months after visiting the site. And you know, because I'm a lateral thinking urbanist, I'm a bit quicker off the mark and sometimes too quick uh, to come to conclusions. And what about this? The quick scribble. Christoph tends to be slightly slower and slightly more contemplative. And I think what that has meant is that sometimes we lead out with something um, that actually isn't quite strong enough and needs to be kind of continued to be worked into. And sometimes we lead out with something that is just so strong, <laughs> it carries on um, framing the conversation in the future. And I think both mm -hmm. of us, and indeed everyone we've ever employed that's enjoyed working with us, has that resilience and has that studio ethos of, of asking and questioning and not being scared to throw in their ideas. And that's really, really important to us. I should, we should say that again from the outset. It's Studio Egg Rate West. So there's three people in that conversation straight away. And the most important voice is the studio's voice um, because it's, it's really, really crucial to us that everybody that works with us feels empowered to say what they think because anyone in the studio could have the best idea <laughs> or the, the one that's going to win. <laughs> I was going to come on to that actually next, David. There's a lovely phrase on your website about being more of a jazz band than an orchestra. And I think yeah. you've given, you've alluded to some of that. And I'm just wondering how everything that you've said sort of feeds into how you lead the practice. You know, how does one lead a, a jazz band? What does that look like? You need to relieve room. You, you know, you, you, the, the, the orchestra is incredibly conditioned in a way. Everybody has to wait for their absolute cue in terms of tempo, tone, and, and specific kind of um, uh, almost uh, recital. And, and there's a level of almost repetition because there's a kind of a desire for perfection within an orchestra to play something. Whereas a jazz band is obviously there to riff. You can actually play a wrong note <laughs> and it's okay. And you can go off for a little while and, and, and play an unusual solo because it's going to add another layer. And I think our, our entire process is is, 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 is about adding layers and um, it's quite intuitive um, and, and evolving. And that's something which we've sought to, to put into all the places that we work with and the, and the clients that we work with. The beauty about a, ja a jazz band is that it's about improvisation. You don't have a script and, and therefore yeah. you, is a ple the pleasure of not knowing exactly what you're going to do but you follow your intuition and you follow your, and also a jazz band has to know each, each of his members really well and you play to each other's strength. And when somebody's kind of lost the solo, you pick it up with the drums and then the, 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 
the, the saxophone comes in the background and it's sort of, um, that's the beauty. And I think architecture in a way for us and architecture and urban design and landscape um, is like there is no script. And uh, yeah. but there is, there is a, com a common understanding of what, what we want to play. I think our best relationships with clients, our best client relationships are, are, are achieved when the client wants to play with us. <laughs> that, that, they, that they want to go on that kind of evolutionary journey in terms of the music that we're all crafting together. Uh, and I think the client that wants to sort of almost keep us quite separate and um, give us a mandate and then kind of almost repeatedly ask us to report back to them and, you know, almost create a kind of an us and them, that they're never as, 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 as positive a relationship as someone who literally says, I'm going to pick up an instrument too and, and mm. I'll play, play as part of the jazz. Well, to entertain myself while I was waiting for this call, I, was, I, I Googled the secrets of a good relationship. Um, obviously not, not not the kind of relationship that we're talking about here. And I'm looking at the things I jotted down and we've covered many of them. One of the ones we, we've covered, things like understanding your partner, understanding that you no one wins an argument. You need to be open and honest. Sometimes compromise is necessary. You take on challenges and obstacles and support one another through them. And then there's one here that says commitment and planning for the long term. And I wondered, David, if you can remember, or David and Christoph, can you think to, at what point you thought this is it? I've landed where I'm going to be for my career. That's interesting. Christoph rightly points out that I'm, I'm quite a big fan of living for the day and seizing the moment, carp diem. And I suppose, therefore, it was always the thing. I, I didn't actually personally plan on having my own practice. That, that was never a big thing for me. It was just there was a moment in time that there was a proposition on the table and it felt right and let's go for it. And as I say, we didn't have a business plan. We didn't have a kind of an overarching strategy. We just decided to just do this. And, and I think our, our relationship has matured uh, and continued to mature. We have both matured. And of course, we have wider relationships with other people. You know, we have a, a, an additional company director, Lucas Lawrence, who's played an incredibly important part in the relationships that we have in the studio that we've grown and we have numerous other really important senior uh, members of the team you know Vincent Lynn, Ali Pine um, and then we have an amazing set of very very talented associate directors who again have really really driven forward our, our landscape you know Duncan Paybody our, our urban, urban design Cecilia Lindstrom and, and Freddie Jackson and and more of our technical architecture uh, Dan, Dan, Dan Mahoney and like it's not just about Christoph and I. And so I think Christoph is just a lovely person. He's a lovely human being. And we just get on really well together. And so therefore, um, it's always just been a case of, can we grow this feeling of studio, this feeling of open-mindedness? Can we continue to embrace serendipity and what life throws at us and, and, and actually add value all the way along? And... As long as that carries on, we'll carry on being a great partnership. And um, so I, I, I don't really know how to answer your question. I think for me, it was always just really natural that we just um, keep, keep on a journey together. And we've never hit a blocker. You know, we've, we've just always just continued to attract people who are like-minded, 
and yet different contrasting because they're going to play a different instrument and a different uh, tune within jazz band, you know. I, I, I guess the, there's two, two other things that I would add, which is I really like the fact that there is a 15-year separating David and I because, you know, I, I, I for one, really like to be surrounded by uh, younger people. And, and by older people also. I'm not ageist at all. But the other thing is, is that in, I don't think we've raised our voice once in the studio and I don't think we've ever raised our voice at all. And, and that creates an environment where people are not fearful, not frightened for their job. They're not, we, try, we try to create an atmosphere where people are compatible. And, and we've had a few people who are extremely talented, but we're not compatible uh, to the ethos of our studio, and for by one for re one reason or another, they they, they left the studio. But the, there is a kind of uh, David and I like to to make sure that the the tone of the studio, the atmosphere of the studio, is just right for and conducive to creativity, collaboration, uh, and and good humoured fun at, at, as, as well. We, we were a natural practice to turn into an employee-owned trust, put it that way. <laughs> it, was, it was pretty obvious route for us. Yeah, say more about that, David, because that's an interesting point in leadership, isn't it? When you bring sort of through uh, others, perhaps within the studio, to contribute to leadership in a slightly different way. How's that worked for you? Well, we all have different skill sets, different strengths. I remember Christoph and I being very keen from the outset to, to not establish a, a significant hierarchy uh, in our studio to, to avoid the kind of the, 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 the strata of an office. And, and yet, you know, as, as, as the practice has got as, as gotten more mature, we have more people saying, well, what about me? You know, what's my title? What's my career development? Where am I heading? And so inevitably, I think after about seven years, maybe eight years, we actually created our first title. We had no titles uh, until that point. And then we introduced the associate level. And then suddenly it was all about different le levels and, 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 and namings and roles. I personally still struggle with that but I would struggle with that because I don't have the issue because I've always been the founding partner or founding director. So I, I appreciate the kind of the, 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 the challenge. I think what we're keen to do is just, just allow people to, to feel nurtured and to, 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 to feel the room to flap their wings and to, to, to help us fly greater and better and longer distances. And therefore, if there's a strand of thinking that is, is kind of bubbling away in the studio, we, we tend to try and release it, you know, whether it, whether it be the landscape strand, which is now I think 13 or 14 people within our studio and fundamentals to the way that we blend places together, DNA of places is landscape, to interior design and graphic design and, and wayfinding, which is, you know, something that's really bubbling away uh, in, in, in the studio um, as we speak. And, and I think, everybody's got different strengths and I think we, we tend to recognize and reward um, different types of creativity, not just the ability to sketch or paint beautifully or tell stories really well, um, but the, the ability to, to, to bring um, creativity in a, in a variety of guises to the practice. I think that um, what Christoph said about you don't think you've ever raised your voice to each other and you don't have raised voices in the studio is remarkable considering many of the pressures that you must have faced 
over the years. It shouldn't be remarkable, but it is quite remarkable. And I, I guess that that playing to everybody's strengths and creating the kind of psychological safety, which we talk about quite a lot in coaching, to enable people to feel as though they're being nurtured and they can, the want of a better word, and it's a bit of a cliche, be their best selves, um, is a hell of a thing to take forward into, into growth into growing the practice probably still further do you have growth aspirations or are you balanced where you are at the moment do you think at the moment we like that 60 because we can all fit in a bus um <laughs> Bro, actually, that's so important <laughs> so we can go on trips <laughs> and we don't need two buses so i think you 70, can get it's not the, 60 70 but this you can fit 70 on a coach um, and um, the there's the posthumous um, uh, Christophe and Jean-Claude are, are on at the moment, the wrapping of the Arc de Triomphe in Paris. And as a studio, we've been to numerous of the Christophe and Jean-Claude, rest in peace, both of them brilliant, amazing, amazing people. Um, uh, and, and one of our best moments ever was going to, as a, as a studio, was going to the... Um, the, 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 the floating walkways in, in, in Bergamo. And yet, you know, we are an employee-owned trust now. We hope the studio is going to continue to succeed. And we can easily imagine that over the years, we may carry on growing. That may lead to satellites, um, uh, more flexible working. Um, uh, that might need, lead to international opportunity, which again might lead to, to satellite studios. I think the most important thing to us is that people continue to have a convivial time uh, in the workplace and to have an open-minded um, kind of journey. And I think that's really, that's really in, in, important to us because we've never really had the straight jacket over ourselves or over our practice. And we've never seen ourselves or wanted to be seen as star architects. And I think it can now definitely be confirmed that will never happen. And and I, I I for one very happy about that, <laughs> and 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 I think to us the stars are the places that we're lucky enough to work in, and that we should be amplifying the best attributes of the places that we're working in, responding to the kind of the all the different um, challenges that are always there in in in, in complex mixed use projects, which is what we always do, uh, and um, and and our studio is there to champion public space and to champion serendipity <laughs> uh, and and to somehow channel that into something very very memorable and different I, I guess the the issue of scale is also to do with our ability to orchestrate talent in the sense that I, I feel a lot of our of our work is actually to do with finding the right person for the project at the right time and and so we need to know intimately uh, everybody's uh, aspirations, passions, uh, skills, and talents. And if we were to grow too quickly, we would lose touch with that uh, intricate knowledge of, of everybody's passions. So over the last 17 years, we've just grown gradually from two to, to nearly 70. And it probably, it probably will grow uh, a little bit more. And as, as David says, maybe as a satellite office in a, another country or something like that. Studio. 
studio. <laughs> it's, but look, Louis, it's, not, it's not a massive thing. It's not a massive thing on our yeah. agenda to grow, 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 grow. I think we'd prefer, prefer to be thrive, thrive, thrive. <laughs> very very sensible um, and very healthy. Yeah. <laughs> so I think we're coming towards the end of our time together, which is unfortunate because loads of questions we could we could ask you. I'm just wondering, we're speaking obviously towards the end of September at a time when people are starting to make a move sort of back into the office and some part, some people have gone hybrid, some people have gone fully flexible. I just wonder where, where you guys are on those sorts of issues at the moment. Yesterday we had 35 or 40 people in Apparently our 40. studio. Ooh. And it was extraordinary. It, had ha- it hasn't happened in two years and it was quite magical like yeah quite a, a little bit scary but quite magical and um and i think everybody else also kind of uh started to reappreciate uh that uh the, the sense of the hub the hive of the studio as a as a place of creativity and immediately you could see oh are you, you can talk to this person and that person and have for quite five minutes with this other person and so many things happened yesterday that I, th- I think that uh, more and more we're going to try and get first maybe two days a week, then three days a week, maybe then four days a week, getting people uh, back to the studio. There might be a few exceptions because some people have uh, different concerns or, or health issues. And, and, uh, and then some, some people sometimes want to concentrate at home. So we're, we're finding a balance. And I think we're, we're, we're like everybody, we're kind of, discovering what is the, the best way to shape the future of in the studio and working from home. It's difficult to imagine anybody in the creative industries saying you must be back five days a week in a specific premises. It just it just is almost unfathomable that anybody would say that. Um, so uh, we're, we're assuming that some form of hybrid um, will um, be the way forward. But as Christoph says, we all gain so much from being together and 80, 18 months of um, kind of social deprivation <laughs> um, ha- has uh, started to challenge our, our, our creativity, our, our, our energy. And actually, I think our enthusiasm and energy as a practice, as founders, but as also kind of a whole team is something that we trade upon. And when you um, are not topping up that energy, um, with new stories, with new uh, engagements, with um, uh, with new relationships and uh, improved relationships, your tanks become quite mm. empty, <laughs> and you, there's there's nothing to trade on. There's no new ideas. There's no frisson. There's no uh, what about you know. And yeah. I think that's why we're keen to sort of get that balance right again. And um, it's it's probably a hybrid. Lovely. I love. I like the idea of um, putting some more fuel. Yeah. in the tank and um, fostering that that um, creativity that happens when people are all together makes a studio a studio well thank you very much yes thank you 